Random Ransomware News Episode 2 TechCrunch writes U.S. blames China for exchange server hacks and ransomware attacks. The Biden administration and its allies have formally accused China of the mass hacking of Microsoft Exchange servers earlier this year, which prompted the FBI to intervene as concerns rose that the hacks could lead to widespread destruction. The mass hacking campaign targeted Microsoft Exchange email servers with four previously undiscovered vulnerabilities that allowed the hackers, which Microsoft already attributed to a China-backed group of hackers called Hafnium, to steal email mailboxes and address books from tens of thousands of organizations around the United States. Microsoft released patches to fix the vulnerabilities, but the patches did not remove any backdoor code left behind by the hackers that might be used again for easy access to a hack server. That prompted the FBI to secure a first-of-its-kind court order to effectively hack into the remaining hundreds of U.S.-based exchange servers to remove the backdoor code. Computer incident response teams in countries around the world responded similarly by trying to notify organizations in their countries that were also affected by the attack. In a statement out Monday, the Biden administration said the attack, launched by hackers backed by China's Ministry of State Security, resulted in significant remediation costs for its mostly private sector victims. We have raised our concerns about both this incident and the People's Republic of China's broader malicious cyber activity with senior PRC government officials, making clear that the PRC's actions threaten security confidence and stability in cyberspace, the statement read. The National Security Agency also released details of the attacks to help network defenders identify potential routes of compromise. Several allies, including the UK and the members of NATO, also backed the Biden administration in its findings. In a statement, the UK government found Beijing responsible for a pervasive pattern of hacking. The Chinese government has repeatedly denied claims of state-backed or sponsored hacking. The Biden administration also blamed China's Ministry of State Security for contracting with criminal hackers to conduct unsanctioned operations, like ransomware attacks, for their own personal profit. The government said it was aware that China-backed hackers have demanded millions of dollars in ransom demands against hacked companies. Last year, the Justice Department charged two Chinese spies for their role in a global hacking campaign that saw prosecutors accuse the hackers of operating for personal gain. Although the U.S. has publicly engaged the Kremlin to try to stop giving ransomware gangs safe harbor from operating from within Russia's borders, the U.S. has not previously accused Beijing of launching or being involved with ransomware attacks. The PRC's unwilling. NIST to address criminal activity by contract hackers harms governments, businesses, and critical infrastructure operators through billions of dollars in lost intellectual property, proprietary information ransom payments, and mitigation efforts, said Monday's statement. The statement also said that the China-backed hackers engaged in extortion and cryptojicking, a way of forcing a computer to run code that uses its computing resources to mine cryptocurrency for financial gain. The Justice Department also announced fresh charges against four China-backed hackers working for the Ministry of State Security which U.S. prosecutors said were engaged in efforts to steal intellectual property and infectious disease research into Ebola, HIV and AIDS, and MERS against victims based in the U.S., Norway, Switzerland and the United Kingdom by using a front company to hide their operations. The breadth and duration of China's hacking campaigns, including these efforts targeting a dozen countries across sectors ranging from healthcare and biomedical research to aviation and defense, remind us that no country or industry is safe. Today's international condemnation shows that the world wants fair rules where countries invest in innovation, not theft, said Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco. GCN.com rights agencies ramp up ransomware defenses.
Federal agencies are stepping up their efforts to help public and private sector organizations protect themselves from attack. The new website Stop Ransom, where .gov aims to be a one-stop shop where individuals, businesses, and other organizations can find resources to help mitigate their ransomware risk. Launched July 15 by the Departments of Justice, Homeland Security, and other federal partners, the site consolidates ransomware information from all federal agencies, reducing the chances organizations miss important information on the latest ransomware-related alerts and threats from DHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the Secret Service, the FBI, the Department of Commerce's National Institute of Standards and Technology, and the Departments of the Treasury and Health and Human Services. StopRansomware.gov aims to help organizations take simple steps to protect their networks and respond to ransomware incidents, while providing enterprise-level IT teams the technical resources to reduce their ransomware risk, Justice officials said. The site also includes the latest news and alerts as well as clear guidance on how to report attacks, isolate and triage affected systems and contain and mitigate the impact. It also features a section for state, local, tribal and territorial governments listing no-cost services, such as self-assessments and training, they can use to guard against ransomware and attacks against election infrastructure. CISA recently released Catalog of Bad Practices, targeting organizations that support critical infrastructure, the first two items ADRA, SS the use of unsupported or end-of-life software, and the use of known fixed default passwords and credentials. The State Department announced July 15 that its Rewards for Justice program is now offering rewards up to $10 million for information leading to the identification or location of any person who, while acting at the direction or under the control of a foreign government participates in malicious cyber activities against U.S. critical infrastructure in violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. RFJ has set up a tip, reporting channel on the dark web to protect the safety and security of potential sources. Also on July 15, the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network announced it is planning an August event to help its public and private sector partners with next steps to address and mitigate ransomware as part of a whole of government effort. The ability to detect and report ransomware payments is critical to not just preventing and deterring attacks, but also holding attackers accountable, Fins and officials said. The surge in ransomware attacks threatens our critical infrastructure, municipalities, and the most vulnerable among us. FinCEN's acting director Michael Mosier said, Since this extortion threatens our collective safety, it is critical that we collaboratively gather to confront this threat together and determine the best way to increase our collective resilience to these malicious attacks. Cyber criminals have targeted critical infrastructure, small businesses, hospitals, police departments, schools and more. These attacks directly impact Americans' daily lives and the security of our nation, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said. I urge every organization across our country to use StopRansomware.gov to learn how to protect themselves from ransomware and reduce their cybersecurity risk. SecuritaBoulevard.com writes the second wave of a ransomware pandemic. In January, we published the Ransomware Pandemic, a report discussing the ever-evolving threat of ransomware and the growing devastation disseminated by these malicious malware strains. The report discussed the future forecast for ransomware and how we imagined the threat would progress in the immediate future. Just six months later, these predictions have already become a reality. In this part of our discussion about the ransomware pandemic, we shall examine these developments and discuss exactly how we, as a community, can begin to confront this ongoing struggle. Since the beginning of 2021, ransomware has dominated headlines across the globe. We have witnessed some of the most significant ransomware attacks the world has ever seen.
events that have already changed the landscape, evidenced in the way world leaders are responding to these attacks, altering policies and beginning to consider real-world responses. It is now estimated that worldwide, the cost of ransomware attacks will exceed $265 billion in the next D. Decades spiraling out of control by 2031 if a solution is not identified. Healthcare has continued to be a high-value target in these attacks, with significant breaches against Ireland's Department of Health and a major attack against New Zealand's healthcare system so far this year. Both attributed to ransomware, these compromises led to the cancellation of major surgeries and appointments, causing disruption and backlogs in a sector already under a phenomenal amount of pressure. In May 2021, cyber insurance giant AXA was hit by a controversial attack, just one week after announcing that they would no longer be covering ransom payments in their cyber insurance policies. In June 2021, JBS USA Holdings Incorporated, the world's largest meat supplier, met an $11 million ransom demand after their systems were compromised, with the CEO stating, it was very painful to pay the criminals, but we did the right thing for our customers. Another sector that has taken a huge hit in 2021 is critical infrastructure. The attack against U.S. fuel supplier Colonial Pipeline in May this year attracted arguably the most public attention the cybersecurity community has ever witnessed following a ransomware attack. A $4.4 million ransom was paid by the CO just hours after systems were compromised. President Joe Biden declared a state of emergency across America, and Colonial Pipeline suffered a six-day shutdown at left 10, 600 gas stations without fuel for over a week. The frightening truth is that cyberattacks are now threatening critical infrastructure and national security, prompting world leaders to consider taking serious physical actions in response to these attacks. In March 2021, the UK government announced that they would be prepared to launch nuclear weapons if the country faced an exceptionally destructive cyberattack. And in June, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO stated that they were also prepared to launch a military response to cyberattacks. Cyber warfare spilling over into the physical world is not only terrifying but may become a widespread reality in the near future. There are many justifiable concerns about this approach, exactly how governments will monitor attacks and identify assailants are just two. It is not always clear during nation-state attacks who your attacker is. Attributed threat groups often change during the investigation stage of an attack, and it can take months before researchers can indisputably establish a connection between a threat group and a specific attack. Many attackers use all available means and measures to hide their identity. If governments react too quickly to these attacks, say releasing a nuclear weapon or launching a military response on an innocent country, the results could be catastrophic. One of biggest ongoing challenges is knowing exactly how organizations should respond to these attacks. It was recently found that 92% of organizations who paid a ransom did not, in fact, get all their data by. CK even worse, 80% of businesses that did choose to pay a ransom experienced a subsequent ransomware attack. Among those, 46% believe it was caused by the same attackers. Paying the ransom has long been a hotly debated subject within the cybersecurity community and unfortunately, recent statistics reinforce why paying up may not be your best option when faced with one of these attacks. A recent study conducted by Talion found that 78% of consumers believe ransomware payments to cybercriminals should be made illegal. If we are to break this illicit ecosystem that is ultimately funding criminal empires, we need to cut it off at its financial source. Suppose industries stood together and refused to meet these ransom demands, we could have a long-term solution. However, we cannot ignore the fact that in the short term, this solution would not be so straightforward.
Currently, there is no legal framework in place to guide organizations in responding to a ransomware attack and payment demand. For some time now, discussions have centered around the possibility of making it a crime to pay a ransom demand because, for example, the cybercriminal organization could be funding terrorism. What we need is clear guidance from governments that supports organizations when they are faced with this difficult situation. We need to remove the ambiguity that exists in what is currently a virtual wild west and create an environment that allows organizations to make lawful decisions with support from the government to limit the impact of an attack. We must consider that banning organizations from paying ransom demands could potentially have catastrophic consequences if it is critical national infrastructure or vital services that are targeted. While paying a ransom is an outcome no CO desires, sometimes the financial loss is an easier hit to take than the impact to services and supply. If better victim support mechanisms could first be developed before implementing a ban, we have a better chance at making this option a success. The Talian survey found that 81% of security professionals believe sharing information between businesses that have been attacked is the key to building better defenses. For many years now organizations have avoided the limelight post-attack, covering up any compromise and sweeping crucial details under the proverbial carpet. Unfortunately, these actions have contributed to the current global ransomware crisis we face. A more realistic approach, in the short term, is to appeal to organizations to start sharing intelligence with the wider community. The rejection of secrecy and welcoming of transparency must be adopted worldwide if we are to make real progress in combating these attacks. Breaches are now so common that they can happen to any organization, no matter the size. Being compromised by ransomware does not mean an organization has failed, and while a CEO may feel they are protecting their organization's reputation by hid in the attack, they are also hiding critical details other organizations need to protect their own estate. As a community, we grow and learn from mistakes. We should adopt a benefit-one-benefit-all approach. If we, as a nation, can track all ransomware cases, we stand a chance at establishing connections between threat groups with the potential for ultimately disrupting the whole criminal ecosystem. Energy Wire writes ransomware crisis enters new phase for energy. As the Biden administration ramps up efforts to fight an onslaught of ransomware attacks, hackers are finding new ways to extort victims operating critical infrastructure like energy according to a report issued today by a major consulting firm. Accenture warns in its latest intelligence report that ransomware gangs are adopting increasingly sophisticated methods to disrupt critical infrastructure and are threatening operational technology OT, like the computer networks that manage the grid. Criminals hackers that extort millions of dollars from businesses worldwide are showing heightened interest in learning about OT, Accenture said. The global ransomware crisis has entered a new phase, as threat actors adopt stronger pressure tactics and tackle targets such as manufacturing and critical infrastructure, Accenture said in the report. OT systems are particularly vulnerable once breached, and the lack of widespread monitoring on these networks can make it difficult for an organization to find out how a hacker got in, experts say. Hackers can also use weaknesses in virtual private networks software that allows workers to remotely connect to computer systems to get onto OT networks to steal data or hide with the intention of issuing a destructive attack later, Accenture warned. One hacking group nicknamed Foxkitten by cybersecurity analysts has been using vulnerabilities in VPN tools to access companies in the energy sector since late 2019, Accenture said. Threats to OT are increasing due to the proliferation of so-called Internet of Things devices that sit on the edge of networks, Accenture said. These switches, routers, and other devices are at the border between IT and OT and breaching them can give hackers direct access to complex and fragile OT environments, 
according to the report. That could lead to the disruption of critical business operations and loss of revenue, Accenture said. Last year, Accenture reported that industrial control systems and OT targets accounted for a third of all ransomware attacks. This year, Accenture said, they've seen a larger share of OT victims. But Accenture also warned that ransomware groups don't need to access operational networks to have an impact, pointing to the massive colonial pipeline company hack as an example. The disruptive ransomware attack halted almost half of the fuel supplies to the East Coast for nearly a week in early May, but it is believed to have only directly infected Colonial Pipelines Co. Port Networks. Nevertheless, the Georgia-based company took down its entire 1,500 pipeline system for fear of the ransomware spreading. The mere presence of actors within the IT network forced preventive OT shutdowns and short-term effects comparable to an OT infection, Accenture said. OT shutdowns, even if preventive, may become more common in future attacks against OT-dependent organizations. Ransomware gangs have also been adopting more ways to pressure victims besides locking up files and demanding payment for a key. In what Accenture dubs quadruple extortion the criminal gangs are also threatening to contact a victim's customers or business partners to increase public exposure. Hackers are also threatening to attack victims with distributed denial-of-service attacks that overwhelm company servers if they refuse payment. These new methods are in addition to locking company files and threatening to leak stolen data. Darkside, the ransomware group responsible for the colonial hack, was one of the first to offer all four methods to their affiliates, Accenture said. The high profile of the colonial hack led ransomware discussions to dry up on some underground hacking forums, Accenture said, with several site administrators discussing banning talk of ransomware altogether. But that didn't stop the more determined attackers, Accenture said. One ransomware group dubbed Babbitt quickly opened up a site on the so-called dark web where anyone can publish stolen data. The dark web, which can only be accessed using special browsers designed to offer anonymity, has seen an increase in criminals selling stolen information so far this year, including login information, Accenture said. Dark web sites, such as Genesis Market or Russian Market, pose a particularly serious threat to organizations' IT and OT assets, Accenture concluded. Information there can lower the barrier of entry for new criminal hackers. Stolen OT network credentials could afford threat actors direct access to OT assets in future activity, so this is a noteworthy detail, Accenture said. The report also warned criminal hackers are increasingly using pirated, commercial software normally used by penetration testers to improve a company's digital defenses. Real attacks using Cobalt Strike, a tool initially built by penetration testers to simulate a hack, increased by 163% from 2019 to 2020, Accenture said. The notorious or evil ransomware group, believed to operate out of Russia, up their use of Cobalt Strike late last year and early this year, our evil recently made headlines after a sprawling ransomware attack on Florida-based software vendor Cassium, packed it as many as 1,500 organizations worldwide. On Tuesday, our evil's websites were offline including the public blog where the gang listed some of its latest victims and its payment site, experts said. It's unclear what happened to our evil's infrastructure, and the Biden administration has not made any announcement and or indication that it was behind the sudden shutoff. Russia has similarly denied any involvement, according to Russian news agency TASS. JDSuper.com writes DFS continues focus on cybersecurity, issues ransomware guidance, and signals increased enforcement actions. The New York State Department of Financial Services DFS is continuing its focus on financial institutions, cybersecurity, issuing new guidance, probing cybersecurity as part of routine examinations.
and signaling increased enforcement actions. All of this comes amid a spate of high-profile ransomware attacks in recent months, including some involving financial institutions. Here is what financial institutions need to know in light of these developments. On June 30, 2021 DFS, reporting a 300% increase in ransomware attacks in 2020 and recognizing that ransomware attacks continue to surge and are jeopardizing the stability of the financial services industry, issued new ransomware guidance stressing key cybersecurity measures to reduce risk of ransomware attacks. The measures, many of which overlap with guidance issued by the White House in June and reported by us here, included employee training, vulnerability, and patch management, password policies, multi-factor authentication, access limitations, system monitoring, backup systems, and tested incident response plans. DFS has made probing entities' compliance with Part 500 cybersecurity requirements a standard part of routine examinations, requesting evidence of practices such as risk assessments, third-party service provider oversight, and general cybersecurity governance. DFS has brought multiple enforcement actions against entities as a result of these examinations, including those that allegedly failed to report cybersecurity events within 72 hours or to implement multi-factor authentication. Fines have cost these companies millions of dollars, as well as the cost of independent consultants to audit and oversee their compliance programs, which is often required as part of resolving the enforcement actions. Failing to comply with Part 500 can expose the company and its leadership to hefty fines and costly class action litigation. For example, New York banking law penalizes unsafe or unsound cybersecurity practices at up to $250,000 per day, and life insurance companies are subject to penalties of up to $1,000 per violation of Part 500. Lastly, the border senior official providing Part 500's required annual certification of their entity's compliance with Part 500, if their statement is incorrect and intentionally made, may be charged with a Class A misdemeanor. Given the above, financial institutions should re-examine their compliance with Part 500 cybersecurity requirements and ensure they can promptly demonstrate their compliance to regulators. Not only does this work mitigate compliance risk, but implementing these measures should also reduce the organization's risk of an attack in the first place. How to remove Guide Rights Cloudstar victim of a highly sophisticated ransomware attack. Cloudstar, a popular cloud service provider operating in the USA and providing technology for hundreds of title companies and lenders, has become a victim of a sophisticated ransomware attack. According to the company's official statement published on their website, the incident happened on Friday, 16th of July and has affected their systems, which are inaccessible at the time of this writing. Presently, only the Office 365 mail services, the email encryption offering, and some of the support services are fully operational. As per the available information, the cloud provider is working hard to restore access to the rest of the services as soon as possible, but no definitive restoration timeline has been announced. So far, Cloudstar has notified the law enforcement about the attack and has hired third-party forensics experts to assist with the recovery. As per their announcement, there have been ongoing negotiations with the attackers. The cloud service provider has already notified all customers about the incident and will provide more details and updates about the investigation of the incident in the following days. As a result of the attack, Cloudstar systems are presently unavailable. The company operates as a private entity and keeps five data centers across the United States, which provide cloud-based services and 24-7 support to title professionals. Partners of the company are commenting that the ransomware attack may cause widespread business disruption if customers are unable to close loans starting from this Monday.
Some professionals have shared their concerns that there could be a national emergency in the real estate lending title sector if the cloud hosting company is unable to fix their ransomware problem by Monday because transactions in some of the industries may be blocked due to the attack. These comments lead to another suggestion where title agencies may have to consider dual cloud hosting if they want to avoid industry-wide shutdowns caused by ransomware attacks in the future. According to details posted by users on online security forums, Cloudstar systems have been down since 2 a.m. on Friday. Some people suspect that the incident could possibly affect the settlement of real estate transactions, which may be delayed for those people affected locked out. On the other hand, Cloudstar hosts only approximately 400 title companies throughout the country, which is not such a massive portion of the overall title industry. Cloudstar was initially founded with the idea to offer secure infrastructure, encryption, and cloud solutions to regulated industries globally. However, with the increase of ransomware attacks in the recent years, such companies become a very appealing target and successful attacks on them can easily lead to shutdowns of a number of industries at once. CNN writes ransomware. It's law firm with dozens of major corporate clients. A major law firm with name brand clients in over a dozen sectors of the economy was hit by ransomware in February. It said, in a breach that may have leaked social security numbers, health insurance information, and even biometric data. In a disclosure on its website, Campbell Conroy and O'Neill said the hackers encrypted and accessed a system that contained sensitive personal information, though it is unclear how much of the actual data was accessed or stolen. However, certain information relating to individuals was accessed, the company said. We determined that the information present in the system included certain individuals' names, dates of birth, driver's license numbers, state identification numbers, financial account information, social security numbers, passport numbers, payment card information, medical information, health insurance information, biometric data, and or online account credentials, by usernames and passwords, the firm said in its disclosure. Please note that the information varies by individual and for many individuals, a limited number of data types were determined to be accessible. According to its website, Campbell Conroy and O'Neill serves a large array of Fortune 500 companies, including Ford Boeing, ExxonMobil Quest Diagnostics, Liberty Mutual, Johnson & Johnson, Walgreens, Monsanto, FedEx, and Coca-Cola, among others. The hack was first detected on February 27, sparking an investigation the firm said in its disclosure. In recent months, cybercriminals have increasingly targeted organizations that play critical roles across broad swaths of the U.S. economy. A high-profile attack against Colonial Pipeline in May disrupted fuel shipments to gas stations all along the East Coast, prompting widespread panic buying. A cyberattack against JBS Foods led to a temporary shutdown of all nine of its U.S. beef processing plants. And an attack against a key software vendor hit a wide range of IT management companies and compromised hundreds of their corporate clients. Coindesk.com writes anatomy of ransomware attack, chat support at a discount and a surcharge for Bitcoin. Blockchain analytics from Elliptic tracks a small business being contacted by our evil ransomware attackers demanding $50,000 in crypto for a decryption tool. A new study of a ransomware attack reveals the dialogue that takes place between the attacker and the victim including live chat support, a negotiated discount and a surcharge for paying in Bitcoin. Research by blockchain analytics from Elliptic published Monday examines the case of a small business being contacted by our evil ransomware attackers demanding $50,000 in Monero for a decryption tool. In the ensuing dialogue on a victim portal reminiscent of live chat support on an IT help website, the victim stated that $50,000 was too steep. 
and asked for a reduction, to which the attacked replied my boss can offer 20% discount. Rather than paying in the anonymity-focused crypto Monero, the victim asked to pay in Bitcoin as it was easier to obtain. The attacker accepted the request, albeit with a 10% surcharge reflecting the increased traceability of Bitcoin. The victim asked for reassurance that the attacker could perform the decryption by requesting a demonstration with two of the affected files, which the attacker appeared to oblige. The attacker rejected a request to cut the payment to $10,000 or $20,000, finally agreeing to 25 k and OK not lower. Elliptic's research then shows the steps our evil took to launder the Bitcoin received, splitting it into different streams, transferring it to different wallets, and combining it with Bitcoins from other sources. The analytics firm said it was able to make the information available to law enforcement bodies, crypto exchanges, and financial institutions to identify coins and wallets associated with cybercrime to take appropriate steps in preventing the criminals from being able to cash out. This laundering process in this case is still ongoing, but nevertheless we can already trace some of the funds to exchanges the report said. Those exchanges will have information on the identities of people whose accounts receive the funds providing strong leads for law enforcement. While high-profile attacks on large companies and critical infrastructure, such as the one that hit Colonial Pipeline in May attain widespread attention, small businesses account for 50% minus 75% of ransomware victims, according to Elliptic's report. Darkreading.com writes when ransomware comes to your town. In the spring of 2018, the city of Atlanta's computers began seizing up. It wasn't due to user error or outdated platforms. The city's data was being systematically attacked and encrypted by ransomware, an insidious form of malware that encrypts files on a victim's network and demands a ransom, paid out in cryptocurrency, for the decryption key. Atlanta didn't pay the $50,000 worth of Bitcoin the hackers were demanding, nor did they have the chance to do so. The payment portal was taken offline, the city was left with a hobbled network, and IT professionals scrambled to bring the city's systems back online. At the end of the day, the total cost to the city was north of $2.7 million. Atlanta's experience, of course, is far from unique. Ransomware is a growing problem, what some experts are calling an epidemic, and it's one that state, county, and local governments are woefully ill-prepared to deal with. In 2020 alone, at least 2,400 public entities were hit by ransomware attacks, says Michael Garcia, senior policy advisor at Third Way's National Security Program, and member of the Institute for Security and Technologies Ransomware Task Force. And according to research conducted by Comparadech, over the past three years ransomware has affected an estimated 173 million people and may have cost up to $52.88 billion. We never wa. NT to be alarmists. But I think now we have cause to be alarmed, Garcia says. Governments control the water we drink, the traffic lights that guide traffic, as well as airports and schools, for instance, and our day-to-day -day lives rely on a functioning public sector. Now most every aspect of the public sector is at risk of these disruptive attacks. In the early days of ransomware attacks, the common wisdom was to simply pay the ransom and sweep the attack under the rug. Michael Maxman, Chief Information Security Officer for the City and County of San Francisco, says that approach has led to larger problems today. I think paying ransom in the last few years fueled the ransomware industry, Maxman says. It's left us all in a worse place. Indeed, ransomware attacks are now more sophisticated. The payments demanded are much higher, and cybercriminals mostly operate with impunity. And many local jurisdictions just don't have the resources and expertise to fight them. How local governments can prepare. 
Obviously, steps for defending against a ransomware attack vary based on the size of the government entity and the resources available to each one. Huge metros will take different approaches than small townships that lack dedicated IT security staff. However, some universal best practices include hardening systems, making sure software is up-to-date, utilizing two-factor authentication, and training employees on best security practices. But for local governments, rooting out ransomware ultimately will come down to two things, system architecture and partnerships. Maxman compares the former to a city zoning codes and fire departments. For example, just as the fire department ensures that a fire in any one place does not burn down the whole city, we have to architect our environments, our technology, in such a way to reduce impact and spread of the event and ask the question where do we have those firewalls in place, where do we have a separation between systems, he says. This involves taking into account the fact that people will make mistakes, intruders will get in, and damage will occur, Maxman adds. The key, he says, is building systems in such a way that one user error or one piece of malicious code won't take the whole network down. This is an exceedingly daunting task for most governments, he concedes, but it's one that must be undertaken to mitigate the threat of ransomware. We have to be smart in our design, Maxman says. One useful resource is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency and Multistate Information Sharing and Analysis Center's ISAC's Ransomware Guide, which provides best practices and guidance on how to evaluate your threat level for a ransomware attack and how to mitigate the risk of becoming a victim. Keeping updated, offline backups, and segmenting your network are key best security practices. They also are major factors in preventing an attack and minimizing damage if one occurs. Mies ISAC itself offers training webinars and free security tools. Its mission is to improve the overall cybersecurity posture of state and local governments across the country by focusing on threat prevention, protection, response, and recovery. At this point, the Mies ISAC has over 11,000 SLTT state, local, tribal, and territorial government members, says Josh Mulan, MISISAC's Senior Vice President and Deputy of Operations and Security Services. We provide them with a number of different things that they can take advantage of to help them mature their cybersecurity posture. But oftentimes governments exist in silos, which thwart their ability to team up to protect themselves from ransomware attacks. One of the things that I think is key is partnerships and working with other organizations and groups, says Daniel Clarkley the City of Los Angeles Integrated Security Operations Center Manager. Governments need to understand the importance of partnering, he adds, because ransomware isn't an issue that affects one entity, it affects all members of an ecosystem. Los Angeles CyberLab is a public-private partnership that aims to leverage knowledge and experience across both sectors to better prepare the community as a whole to deal with cyber threats. Christopher Covino, Policy Director for Cybersecurity in the Office of Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti says this mindset has led to a posture of collective defense, where information and resources are shared to help protect everyone. There are more than 80 cities and special districts in the LA region, an area that includes LA Metro Transit Authority and the Los Angeles Unified School District. If any of these organizations went down because of a ransomware attack, it's going to have a significant impact on the whole region, he says. The mayor's office leads a regional cyber collective defense initiative focused on sharing information on potential cyber threats. For example, we provide machine-to-machine -machine indicator of compromise sharing via LA Cyber Labs Threat Intelligence Sharing Platform. We coordinate joint threat briefs with local state and federal partners and produce and disseminate joint city cyber lab fusion center cyber advisories, he explains. 
The Institute for Security and Technology's Ransomware Task Force recently released a report that provides recommendations for a comprehensive framework to tackle the ransomware problem on a global basis. Among the task force's recommendations, a coordinated effort by international diplomatic and law enforcement agencies to prioritize ransomware through a well-resourced strategy to direct nation-states away from offering safe haven to cybercriminals, government recovery funds for ransomware attack response, and mandated alternatives to ransom payment, and a White House-led anti-ransomware campaign. Tackling ransomware will not be easy. There's no silver bullet for solving this C. Helenge, the report states, most ransomware criminals are based in nation-states that are unwilling or unable to prosecute this cybercrime. And because ransoms are paid through cryptocurrency, they are difficult to trace. This global challenge demands an all-hands-on-deck approach, with support from the highest levels of government. Krebs on security rights don't want to pay ransom gangs? Test your backups. Browse the comments on virtually any story about a ransomware attack, and you will almost surely encounter the view that the victim organization could have avoided paying their extortionists if only they'd had proper data backups. But the ugly truth is there are many non-obvious reasons why victims end up paying even when they have done nearly everything right from a data backup perspective. This story isn't about what organizations do in response to cybercriminals holding their data for hostage which has become something of a best practice among most of the top ransomware crime groups today. Rather, it's about why victims still pay for a key needed to decrypt their systems even when they have the means to restore everything from backups on their own. Experts say the biggest reason ransomware targets and or their insurance providers still pay when they already have reliable backups is that nobody at the victim organization bothered to test in advance how long this data restoration process might take. In a lot of cases, Companies do have backups, but they never actually tried to restore their network from backups before. So they have no idea how long it's going to take, said Fabian Wazard, chief technology officer at Emsisoft. Suddenly the victim notices they have a couple of petabytes of data to restore over the internet, and they realize that even with their fast connections, it's going to take three months to download all these backup files. A lot of IT teams never actually make even a back-of-the-napkin calculation of how long it would take them to restore from a data rate perspective. Wazer said the next most common scenario involves victims that have off-site, encrypted backups of their data but discover that the digital key needed to decrypt their backups was stored on the same local file, sharing network that got encrypted by the ransomware. The third most common impediment to victim organizations being able to rely on their backups is that the ransomware purveyors manage to corrupt the backups as well. That is still somewhat rare, Wazer said. It does happen, but it's more the exception than the rule. Unfortunately, it is still quite common to end up having backups in some form, and one of these three reasons prevents them from being useful. Bill Siegel, CEO and co-founder of Coveware, a company that negotiates ransomware payments for victims, said most companies that pay either don't have properly configured backups, or they haven't tested their resiliency or the ability to recover their backups again. NSD the ransomware scenario. It can be that they have 50 petabytes of backups, but it's in a facility 30 miles away, and then they start restoring over a copper wire from those remote backups, and it's going really slow, and someone pulls out a calculator and realizes it's going to take 69 years to restore what they need, Siegel told Kim Zetter, a veteran Wired reporter who recently launched a cybersecurity newsletter on Substack. Or there's lots of software applications that you actually use to do a restore, and some of these applications are in your network. That got encrypted, Siegel continued. So you're like, oh great. We have backups, the data is there. 
but the application to actually do the restoration is encrypted so there's all these little things that can trip you up, that prevent you from doing a restore when you don't practice. Wazer said all organizations need to both test their backups and develop a plan for prioritizing the restoration of critical systems needed to rebuild their network. In a lot of cases, companies don't even know their various network dependencies, and so they don't know in which order they should restore systems, he said. They don't know in advance, hey if we get hit and everything goes down, these are the services and systems that are priorities for a basic network that we can build off of. Wazer said it's essential that organizations drill their breach response plans in periodic tabletop exercises, and that it is in these exercises that companies can start to refine their plans. For example, he said, if the organization has physical access to their remote backup data center, it might make more sense to develop processes for physically shipping the backups to the restoration location. Many victims see themselves confronted with having to rebuild their network in a way they didn't anticipate. And that's usually not the best time to have to come up with these sorts of plans. That's why tabletop exercises are incredibly important. We recommend creating an entire playbook so you know what you need to do to recover from a ransomware attack.